welcome back to another episode of Perla Meets the World. This is the last episode of the season. I cannot believe that I'm just ending a first season right now with 10 full episodes of interviews with people and friends. I just can't believe it. Like, I'm starting to plan my season two already, um, but I don't know when I'm going to release the first one. I have a different structure in mind, completely different of how I want the next season to look like. It's going to be more of a solo podcasting format where I would bring up some topics and themes that I am concerned about and that I think that I have experience enough to talk about. Obviously, I am a very opinionated person, and so bear with me. It's not going to be very critical, but it will bring up some things that maybe normally we wouldn't be talking about. For example, Perla meets manifestation. Perla meets eating disorders. Perla meets the world. <laughs> and so it's going to be my experience around that. So I have a lot of things to talk about eating disorders, like coming from my own experience. I have a lot to, to talk about me meeting the world, um, whatever that means, because it, it can, you know, group a lot of things. I don't want to turn it into a very like woo-woo kind of podcast. Everything that I'm going to talk about, I will back it up with data. That's why I am so excited to announce the second season because it's not only me ranting about life and things that I'm concerned about and worried about, but also I'm going to do my research to try and find and bring some data to you guys to back up my opinion. And so that will 100% generate some debate around the topics and I will be more than thrilled for you to send me your feedback, your comments and maybe some voice messages that I can post on my next episodes so that we can have a conversation around these topics and I can hear out your opinions around it because, you know, listening to others' perspectives is the only way that you can expand yours, if that makes any sense. And so I am very excited. I am very, very excited. But enough of my next season. This episode, guys, I had the pleasure to talk with a dating coach, the first dating coach I've ever met in my life, Ellie Erickson from the States. She moved to Maui, which it happens to be my happy place. And I am very jealous. And wow, the things that we talked about from the attachment types to how to know when to give up some of your boundaries as an individual to improve your relationship with someone. Why is it so important to have a relationship or is it that important? Like, why did she choose to become a dating coach in, in the first place? And how does she see the relationship environment and world per se? Because now, like, with the feminism movement becoming more trendy. How can she deal with women thinking, well, you know what? I am an independent, empowered woman. I don't need anyone. How that impact her business or how does she approach her dating coaching methods and style to the, the new generation of women that we are now? And it is very, very, very interesting. So to put it simply, if... I can summarize it all. I would say, you know what, guys? 
all you need is love. Welcome to Perla Meets the World, a podcast where they travel worlds. <laughs> Jesus. Is this recording? the first dating coach that I've ever met and yeah. I think there are more and more people trying to dedicate their lives to coaching as opposed to doing like a, maybe some sort of standard job I think it's fascinating that you're just following your own path regardless of what society tells us and just want us to spread love and help people yeah which I I'm super excited and um I do love the work that I do, and I think your podcast is so fun. And, and you, do you travel all the time, or with COVID, did you have to stop? Or I have to say, to begin with, that my favorite, my happy place is Maui. And when I saw that you oh. live in Maui, I'm like, you're joking. Oh, God. <laughs> Such a beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's really great here. So you've been lots of times or once or what? Uh, only once. I started traveling. I left the, the UK October 2019, just right after Brexit. And I started traveling the US first. And I went to San Francisco, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, only for a week and a half, like all three within a week and a half. Wow. And then three weeks in Hawaii solely. And I loved Hawaii so much. It was so different from where I came from, the city life and amusement parks and capitalism. And then I went to Kauai, which is just like a yes. massive mountain of an island. And I'm like, okay, yes. where should I charge my phone now? <laughs> it was... <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting, but I cannot wait to go back. How how come you ended up living there? Um. Well, I so I'm from California. I'm actually from the San Francisco area, and um, I decided I was working and living in Florida for about a year, and so then I just decided to move here for an adventure, and um, I. So I've stayed, and, and we're not sure, my fiance and I, we're not sure where we're going to end up, but we do love Maui, and it's just, like, such an incredible place to be right now at this time of our, in our lives, and during COVID, it was really great, too, so, yeah, that's how we're here. Did you meet your fiance there in Maui, or you moved with him? So we actually met in college, and we... Um, did a year of long distance after we graduated. He, we were like thousands of miles away from each other across the country. And then I decided to move to Maui and he was like, I'll go too. So he followed me like two weeks later. So yeah, it's been, it's been really good. Was he your longest relationship or the first yeah. relationship or? So he definitely wasn't my first relationship. I had so many um, toxic and other relationships. Not all my relationships were bad, just like one or two. But I lost the relationships before him. But he's definitely my longest. We've been together for almost um, four years now. Yeah. Wow, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. And I just feel... Um, feel very grateful for him. And that's part of the reason I kind of started coaching is because I want other women mostly I work with women to experience like that type of relationship which like 
um, how, how to phrase this, like what kind of struggle do you think or idea is preventing women from having a healthy relationship? Because obviously I come from a background of toxic relationships myself as well, up until I found the partner that I'm with now. And mm -hmm. when I met him, my current partner, it didn't feel right at the beginning. I was just right. fighting because I didn't have these butterflies in my stomach. It was not passion all over. I only knew that every time that he hugged me, I felt like home. I didn't feel what I felt with my toxic relationships before. And I was so confused whether like that was attraction or love or yeah. I don't know. I was just attracting drama and this guy is zero drama. And that's why yeah. I didn't feel the reactions I normally have. So how yeah. has it been for you? So I think you really just kind of said what a lot of women go through um, and what I've seen a lot and what I saw with myself, which is as, you know, society, as a world, as, as humans, like we seem to love the drama or like we love that feeling of anxiety. We associate it with love. And so even though it like drives us crazy, we think the fact that we can't stop thinking about someone, it means that we love them when really a lot of the time it's just like you're not getting your needs met and so you're hyper focusing on that and so that is what you associate with love and so what happened with me and what happened with you and what happens with you know a lot of people who end up with the type of secure partner is that in the beginning you don't feel that feeling that you associate with love which is really just your anxious attachment style being activated um and so what's important And the work that I do with women is talking about that and helping them realize like, hey, it might not feel the same way. And that's a good thing. Like it might look different than you're used to. And that's a good thing because if you keep chasing that feeling that leads to these toxic relationships, you're going to keep getting into those toxic relationships. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Have you found a lot of like cases of clients struggling with this? Yeah, so that's what most clients struggle with is just they don't know why they keep getting with the same type of partner who won't meet their needs or who is an avoidant attachment style. And I definitely recommend to anybody who listens to your podcast and who wants to learn more about it to read the book Attached. I always send the book to my clients. It's called Attached. It's by Dr. Amir Levine and Rachel S.F. Heller. Um, it's incredible. And I send it to all my clients and it can really help people kind of understand what their attachment style is and why they keep attracting the same type of person. You mentioned two types of attachment, avoidant and anxious. Mm -hmm. For people mm -hmm. who are listening that don't know how many types of attachments are and which one, can you just explain, just highlighting yeah. the main three? Totally. So there's anxious attachment style, there's secure attachment style, and there's avoidant. And then there's also one that's anxious avoidant, but that's only about 3% of the population that has that, but that could be you too. So anxious attachment style, um, the like typical, you know, stereotype of this is like a woman who is clingy or who just like is very, um, how can I even say it? Just like very hyper-focused on getting a relationship and staying in a relationship. And I don't, I don't like the word clingy. I don't think it's all women, like an anxious attachment style person can look any type of way and be male or female. Um, but really that person just 
has a hard time being apart from their partner and kind of needs that reassurance and those needs are super valid. And so if there was someone who's secure, a lot of the times an anxious, uh, someone with an anxious attachment style becomes more secure themselves because that secure partner is able to meet their needs and has no problem doing that. And the more someone shows up for someone who is, who has an anxious attachment style, the more that person is going to feel um, better about the whole situation. And so that's the anxious person. And then secure is kind of like the type of partner we all want to strive to be and want to look for. That's the type of person who loves to be with their partner, but also acknowledges that sometimes space is necessary. They're very great communicators. They're very stable. So that sounds, you know, kind of like your boyfriend and like my fiance, like you're not going to get that rush that you might in the beginning with someone like this typically, because they're not going to be avoiding you. They're not going to be ghosting you. You're not going to wonder if they're going to text you back because they always will. So that's kind of that secure partner. And then the stereotype for like the easiest way to think of like an avoidant person uh, or someone with an avoidant attachment style is like not, I don't want to cuss on your podcast, but it's like that S boy, like that that guy who just doesn't want commitment and who won't text you back and who says that they want space. And so again, the same with the anxious attachment style, like this isn't always men, sometimes it's women, but it is someone who feels a little bit suffocated if they are getting into a relationship and who needs that space. And so for them, um, a way to kind of work through that is just being able to voice with care and love in any relationship that they're in what their needs are, which is space and autonomy, and uh, work it out that way. But those are the three. Again, there's an anxious avoidant attachment style, which you can read more about, but those are the main three. Oh, I have two questions now that come to mind. Yes. So the first one, can you, because I think I went from one type to another, and I don't know if that's possible. If I take my own experience as an example, my partner tried to pursue me, he was there for me and he was just trying to tell me that he was good for me. And I was like, yeah, 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 nah, nah. So it took a while to convince me that he was not going to hurt me. And then I think my relationship shifted from being avoidant to almost anxious. And now we're even. Is it possible? Yeah, it's definitely possible. And I think a lot of times um, <laughs> it's funny because a lot of the a lot of the times my friends or the people who come to work with me, they do have that, you know, more rare attachment style, which is anxious avoidant. But I think these people, it's kind of confusing, right? Like to have those, all that mix of feelings, but it definitely can shift. And I think it also shifts depending on what type of partner you're with. Like for me, uh, I was, you know, I, I'm secure, but I lean towards avoidant. And so in some relationships where somebody was more avoidant than me, then maybe I tend to become more anxious. Like it depends on the type of partner you're with and the situation. But like you said, you realize like, yeah, it can definitely shift. And why do you think that the avoidant type is more linked to men than women or why women maybe tend to be more in the anxiety spectrum instead of the avoidant? So, I was reading a lot about this and it kind of like is a mix between whether it's nature or nurture. And I think as a society, a lot of um, like girls are brought up to be overtaken care of or like to be, you know, 
the people like their parents kind of hover or they don't let them do the same things that the boys do and like they can't go by themselves with a friend and of course that or they can't go somewhere by themselves alone and so boys can go off and do their own thing and so I think growing up we're kind of a lot of time conditioning girls to be have an anxious attachment style and we're kind of conditioning boys to have an avoidant attachment style and and I think we notice this in like movies or in pop culture where it's like oh the guys you know, salaries are for the boys or that whole mentality of like my independence and like, that's what I'm going to do. And so I think it is cultural. I think it is maybe a little bit biological. Um, but I think we all, you know, with the right work can move towards secure. And I've seen it happen with myself and with so many of my clients. Uh, now that you tapped into it, how difficult it is for you to treat women right now that they, you know, believe in woman empowerment, which I do as well. How hard it is for you to make them understand, for example, the differences between men, women, the masculine energy, the feminine energy, and to understand that maybe when it comes to dating, there's some sort of exchange of energies that doesn't mean that you're less of an empowered woman or that you need a man to feel yeah. complete because now, I mean, your job is to let people find a true love life, a healthy love life, but does it mean that if they don't have it, how do you explain it yourself? So it's funny you brought that up because I used to struggle with this a lot and I used to really cling to that identity of like a strong, independent woman who doesn't need no man. And in a lot of ways that kind of, ended up hurting me because I clung to it so hard that I wasn't allowing myself like what I really wanted, which was that vulnerability, which was that partnership, which was the knowledge that you can be independent and you can be strong while also in a relationship. And so I think when people cling so hard to that idea of a strong, independent woman, what that means is like, For them, when they enter into a relationship, they're less of a strong and independent woman. And that's not what we want. We want the two to be able to exist. And I want people to have the belief that like, hey, I can be in a relationship and I can also do things on my own. And I can also be strong. and I can also handle myself. But I don't need to do that all the time because I have a partner who will support me in any way that I need them to show up as. And so as far as like the masculine and feminine energies go, um, I believe that like, sometimes women might have more masculine energy and sometimes men might have more feminine energy. And it's just about finding that match, no matter if you have more of one or the other, just seeing that type of person who flows well with the one that you do have. Now that the times are changing so much, sometimes it's hard to explain to people that, okay, you can be a feminist. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But just to make sure like men and women are not the same like if we start like by the biological physical our bodies and the function like that comes like all the way from the beginning of time not to you know undermine our function as women but we can do things that men cannot and as dating coach it maybe can be challenging to try and explain women like why it's not that you need to find a partner whether it's a man or a woman or whatever but mm -hmm. to understand that it's okay to feel nurtured sometimes or it's okay mm -hmm. to feel that you're a woman or that you're maybe the the man like so to speak of the relationship it's fine as well like there yeah. as long as you find that balance that you just said 
with the energies. It doesn't mean that you have to be the princess and he has to be Han Solo, right. come, you know, <laughs> save Leah, you know? Yeah, and I think that we, I just want to, like, encourage women to feel empowered and wanting that. And it doesn't make you any less of a woman. It doesn't make you any less strong to want that type of healthy relationship, to want that partnership. It doesn't make you weak. And I, and I know for me, like, when I was in college and when I was with, you know, who was then my boyfriend, but now my fiance, I would think like, Oh, I'm not going to move to wherever he's going after school. Like, <laughs> is he crazy? Like I'm, I'm a strong woman. Like I'm going to do my own thing. And looking back, like it doesn't make you any less strong or any less powerful to choose a relationship over something else that just, you know, priority shifts. And, and I think that when people get into really, powerful and enriching relationships they kind of start to understand that but if you haven't had it it's really really hard to grasp that concept that's true it's it's really true like at what point in your life did you decide to help people boost their love life as a career because i am not thinking of becoming maybe an empowerment coach myself at one point and i, I just yeah. cannot get rid of the imposter syndrome have you struggled with that as well yeah i think I haven't talked to one person who hasn't struggled with it in one way or another. And I think something that's really helped me through that is just knowing you don't have to have all the answers. Like people aren't paying you to get them from A to Z. They're trying to get you to A to B. And you just have to be one step ahead of the person you're helping and be able to learn and help them grow in what ways and admit when you don't know something and when you need to go find out more. And so for me, I kind of decided... Um, I'd always kind of been the person who people would come to about relationship stuff and about dating and partly probably because I had the craziest like dating love life everything stories it was chaotic and it was just <laughs> it was more um, it was more cinematic than it should have been in all the bad ways and so oh. for me when I finally got into this relationship I was like hey there's a way to do this and I did so much research before I got in this relationship and I spent so many hours dedicated to this that I'm like I am definitely qualified to help people with this because I know how I've done it myself and so for you and for anybody else who's listening who wants to do coaching it's like you just got to start and you've just got to start helping people and the more testimonials you get the more confident you'll feel and like the more empowered you'll be in that position that you find yourself do people normally ask you for some certifications or for a proof of your knowledge no Um, actually they don't. I think that for most people who are looking for a coach, it's more about the results that they've gotten people or like the results they've gotten themselves. And if you think about like personal trainers, yeah, well, legally, sometimes they have to have that certification, but when someone's looking for a personal trainer, they're looking for someone who has the body that they want. They're not looking to see like, Oh, what, like, did you study? They're not looking for that. They're, they're looking for like, is that what I want? Okay, then they know how to get that. So I'm going to get that too. And, and I know for myself and other coaches too, if anybody's questioning it, or if anybody's trying to make you feel less than because you don't have X, Y, or Z certification, they are just not your ideal client. Yeah, that's true. But sometimes I guess if you're looking for a coach, it's so hard to tell which one is a professional coach and which one is just like maybe a chatter as a professional. How yeah. would you advise someone to look for a coach or what would be the things that you would look into? So for one, I'd look at 
the the coach's life or I'd look at how that coach um, lives their life or how that coach is showing up or how that coach speaks or how that coach exists on the platforms that you find them and obviously on Instagram or whatever you confront. But a lot of times you can see like people are going live. How are they when they go live? People are on their stories. How are they on their stories? And always look for those testimonials. When I'm hiring a coach, I look at testimonials. I look at um, just who they are and if I think that they can get me results and um, I think think most of the time people can get a pretty good read on somebody who knows what they're talking about just even in a quick call a lot of coaches will give like a discovery call to see if it's a good fit and I think that's super important to seeing if it if it's uh, something that you want to invest in. What have been the biggest struggles you had to face when becoming a dating coach then? So all the walls that were hardest for me were business related of course and so I actually hired a coach to help me with that so that was so helpful I definitely recommend that to anybody who's thinking about getting to this space but the other struggle is like when you're starting out you don't have testimonials and so you've got to like maybe do it for a super reduced price for your friends or you've got to really like sell yourself in your own story and it gets easier the more that you do because The more people you work with, the more testimonials you have, the more people want to work with you. But starting out, you've really just got to like put your head down and be willing to learn and ask questions. And everybody in the industry is very helpful. And I've made amazing connections that way. But I think it's just knowing that it's going to take a little bit of time and don't don't give up. You make it sound so easy. I don't know how many people try <laughs> no. to be coaches and they had to give up because maybe, yeah, as you said, they didn't have enough testimonials or maybe they didn't feel confident enough to put themselves out there and you know use IGTV I mean I love your videos on IGTV you are I mean you're so flawless and confident and I'm like every time that I try to even do a solo podcast oh my god so many attempts and I'm like oh shit this is oh, oh, oh. And I'm like, you know what I'm not doing this I'm done <laughs> Girl, yeah, well, I mean, those videos, so for my lives, they're much more, like, real talk, but those videos, like, I edit those, like, I edit my videos, I do everything three times, it takes me a long time to do some of those IGTV videos, and I think something that I heard when I was starting that was super beneficial for me was, like, everybody starts out with zero followers, everybody starts out with zero testimonials. Everybody starts out somewhere and it might take a while for people to start listening. And there's going to be some times where you feel like you're making videos for no one or you're like, is anybody even listening? Like, does anybody even care? And you're going to feel like that. Everybody feels like that sometimes. And you just have to remind yourself, like, keep going. And even if you're making a difference to one person, that's enough. Yeah, that's worth it. Okay, so what is it like to live in Maui? Come on. <laughs> no, the nitty gritty, uh, please. <laughs> it's, ama it's amazing. I love it. It's so. The only thing right now is it's getting hot, so that's a little bit. Um, <laughs> that's a little bit concerning, but it's it's great. I love living across the street from the beach. I think that the community aspect is really incredible. Everybody who lives here has this mindset of wellness and of just being very respectful of the land and the island. So. I feel, I feel super, super grateful to be in this space. Was it random for you just to decide to go to Hawaii, like to give it a try, see if you like it and stay? Or 
you had like a few places in mind when you moved from the city? Yeah, so I had always grown up coming here and I knew I loved it and had some like family connections and stuff. So it was a pretty easy choice for me. Um, but it was, but I will say I was very, it was hard to just up and move because I remember I was working at Disney and I could very easily see myself going up like a corporate ladder in that way. And I was just like, I can't do it. Like I, I need to have this adventure. I need to go and do something that's so crazy outside of my comfort zone. That seems like maybe not the most, um, the decision that others would make in the position I was in, but I just talked a lot more. I think, I think something that everybody should do more of is talk to people who are much older than them, like in their sixties and their seventies and their eighties, like those people have lived their full lives. And they're just, <laughs> I remember I was talking with, um, people around that age before I moved They're like, just go, like, go have the adventure. You'll regret it if you don't. And I think you, I'm sure you relate with like going and traveling. Like you just, when you're young, you can afford to make these decisions that some people might think are crazy, but end up being some of the best ones that you've ever made. That's absolutely true. I, I don't know. So you're living your best life now. <laughs> well, yes, I, I'm having, I enjoy every day and I'd be lying if I said that I didn't have days where I'm like, Oh, what am I doing? You're like, where should I go? Or what's next? Or what's the next step? But, um, I always work on presence and, and so that's what I'm working on now. Was it hard for you to turn your back to maybe a career or a, like a lot of money, but maybe little to no time to something more fulfilling where you are your own boss and you are actually helping people? How was it? How was that journey? Yeah. So I also think you can kind of, especially in the beginning, like do both. Like even now I still work some hours because um, I work for Marriott as well I do sales for them and so even now I still um, spend some time doing that and a lot of the coaches that I've talked to they started their coaching business because I started mine I started mine like right around when COVID like full-time I went full-time then and you can do both and so starting out you don't have to like quit your job and just immediately do this you can of course but if it feels better for you to like get some clients under your belt and to start seeing how much you're making each month and then do the jump then do that but for me i love the flexibility that you know my own business gives me i love the ability to help other people i love that you kind of get what you put into it and the more hours you work you know I'm not going to say money isn't a, a factor. Like we, we need to be making money to be helping people. And I think that's something also a lot of new coaches struggle with is feeling guilty about charging people for the help that they're giving. because people just want to help people. But, you know, to continue helping people, you need to be providing for yourself. And so I always recommend to new coaches to get a coach themselves who will encourage them to value their worth and, and to charge what they need to be charging. Taking that this is the last episode of my first season and taking that I'm talking with a dating coach, I think it's only fair if I open up a bit more and I talk about how I feel. 
because I mentioned to her that I'm with a partner who's 100%, I'm 100% sure he's a secure attachment type. Whereas I am, I thought that I was an avoidant and I started being an avoidant because I don't want or I didn't want relationships and I shift towards anxiety and now I'm working on becoming a secure partner as well. So I think we talked about attachment types and so I think you have um, the basic knowledge to understand what I'm going to explain but it is important that no matter if you want to go through the attachment types test to figure out which one you are it is important to understand that there's nothing wrong with you whether you are anxious whether you are avoidant or you are secure because talking about my own experience and opening up about this i have abandonment issues when i was growing up i had a few episodes where i got the message that If I wouldn't behave in a certain way, I would not be loved. If I spoke in a certain way, I would be rejected. And I vaguely remember also a few episodes of my life where I felt deeply lonely and abandoned by my loved ones. Even if you have a family, you can feel as though you don't have. Because you are not seen, you are not heard, you don't exist, you are an extension of your parents and they only see what they want to see. They create this idea of who you are and they never get to see who you are and if you attempt to show a glimpse of the person you are becoming, that's seen as rebellious and bad and you have to be a good girl don't disappoint me so that being said because that's the background where i'm coming from the best thing that could happen to someone with an anxiety type and abandonment issues is to be with a secure person i didn't plan it and as i mentioned to ellie in the conversation when i found my partner i I had something inside of me rejecting it from the very beginning because my need for drama was not being fed by him. Normally when you're an anxious person, you would attract avoidance. Avoidance push away others when they feel threatened. That's how they deal with fear. And that's also okay. I mean, everyone is unique. What I'm saying is when you put together an anxious person with an avoidant, that person won't be there for you that person will always find reasons not to commit fully to you and to be there for you because that's how they deal with their own shit and so expecting them to change is a mistake trying to find in them or in any partner the source of your own happiness is also a mistake you are your own you don't need anyone to make you feel happy but yourself if you're an anxious person like me and you found a secure person it is important for you to communicate how you are 
because that anxiety probably won't leave you or maybe it's gonna take time to leave you it's okay to be anxious but it's not okay for that to condition and limit your life and so communicating every single thing that makes you anxious about it's gonna help your relationships my point is you don't have to change and you don't have to blame yourself for sometimes feeling that you're needy or too clingy because that's your survival response to the traumatic experience that you've been through if you are with the right person you will be able to be yourself and not to feel guilty for it they will accept you but if you are with the wrong person they will make you feel that there's something wrong with you that you're not normal that you're very clingy very dependent very needy that was my input that's how i am now i am working towards it i'm working on self-healing self-love uh, meditation breathing techniques i am very into spirituality right now i'm gonna talk more about this in my next season um and yeah there's a lot of techniques that you can use to improve your life if you have anxiety and also you can shift from one attachment type to another you don't have to be stuck or you're not gonna be stuck into one forever if you decide to change or if you have a partner that allows you to change either way respect is the most important thing and self-love the rest will come alone What do you find the most common topic or struggle around relationships to be, for example, um, when having clients, would it be like breakups the most common topic or when to date again or finding that yeah. self-confidence to find someone soon or what's, what's the most common, you know, theme around your clients? I think, I think the most common theme is like, I guess it depends on what stage of life people are in. But I think the biggest thing that I tend to focus on is that you are worthy. And like the whole first half of the program I run people through. So typically I work with people for about 12 weeks. And the whole first part is just focused on like self-love and confidence and, you know, your your boundaries and the things that you need to do for yourself to feel your best. And so building that up to a point where when you start dating, it's not about the other person anymore. It's about how you feel. It's not about if the other person likes you. It's about, do you like how you feel with this person? And it's, it's so many things coming together to be this, you know, experience of dating, experience of relationships that I think the biggest thing that people struggle with is just not having that self-worth that they need in a relationship and settling for people that don't treat them well. And so with great boundaries and great confidence and great self-awareness, you can just have this, this amazing relationship and this amazing experience in dating. Okay. So you mentioned boundaries. Um, mm -hmm. What's the fine line between a healthy boundary that you need because it comes from you to mm -hmm. trying to be flexible with your partner and maybe giving up a bit of opening up a bit more where do you say no i go this far or when to you know talk about it and be flexible so i think it's really important first for both people to know their own needs and 
for both people to be really or get really great at open communication because that's all that boundaries are. It's just a flow of like, hey, this doesn't work for me. And if somebody else like has a different boundary, seeing how those can flex together or seeing through a conversation how you can get to a place of compromise or where you both feel good about the situation. And especially early on in dating, I always encourage people to be very open about boundaries in the beginning because the thing is you might turn people away. Like your boundaries might make somebody run away and that is exactly what you want to happen because you are saving so much of your time because that would have happened sooner 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 or later it would have happened anyway so it's better that it happens early on so you can go on to dating the next person but how do you know if the boundaries that you have are the right ones that are benefiting you or they're just a result of a you know past traumatic childhood or something I think it's going to be getting really clear on like why that boundary exists for you or like what need that boundary is protecting or helping. And so um, if it's like, if it's a need of communication and you have a boundary, that's like, if somebody doesn't text me within an hour after we leave the date, then I'm not going to hang out with them, then maybe that's like, maybe we need to think about that more of like, okay, what's the real need there? Oh, it's that you need communication. Then maybe you need to tell them like, Hey, I really like when people follow up with me. It would mean a lot if you did that and then see what they do. And so I think it's kind of like just self-checking what the real need is behind your boundary and being able to ask yourself like, is this, realistic is this fair would I be okay with this if somebody had that need or accepted that from me and just kind of being able to do that self-check about that why some people see boundaries as a threat I think it's just because a lot of times we I think it's oftentimes women that that have this issue or have trouble setting boundaries because as a society, we often teach girls or like women to go along with things and just don't ruffle any feathers and confrontation is bad. When really, if we are communicating and setting boundaries, we're making it easier for the other person. And if some guy or some girl, whoever you're dating, responds really badly to you setting a boundary that's super fair, that's telling you more about that person than about your boundary that's being set. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe a lot of people asked you this question before, but when you're in a relationship, for example, and there's communication and the other person is telling you, okay, whatever you said made me feel X, for example, like no, it didn't make mm -hmm. me feel good. What would be the right approach to understand your partner's needs and also make them maybe realize that there's an emotional responsibility on both parts. When are you responsible for your partner's needs and emotions? And when do you have to take care of your own? And you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know if I'm being very clear because sometimes yeah. we, we yeah. try to make our partners yeah. responsible for our own happiness, for example, or that made me feel sad. And then your partner's like, mm -hmm. oh shit, I cannot do this anymore because otherwise she's going to feel sad. But maybe yeah. the thing is me trying to understand why I feel sad 
so that my partner can be himself and then yeah. you know so what's again like yeah. the line between communication let's just change things or let's talk about it or maybe this is a yeah. you thing or this is a me thing mm -hmm. so i think the first step in that conversation is being able to listen and just acknowledge that both like not that necessarily anybody's doing anything wrong but that this is a miscommunication and so if my fiance came up to me and said you know hey i don't I really, it makes me feel sad when you say this and, you know, I'd really appreciate it if you just didn't, then for me, I need to ask myself like, okay, is this something that I can change? Which if it's something that I said, then I can definitely be more aware of it. And for me, like, it's more worth it to alter my behavior because more likely than not. I don't need to be like, <laughs> I'm not changing myself by not saying something in particular to him. And in that same breath, I'd probably say, okay, like moving forward, I'm going to do my very best not to say that. And I'd appreciate it. Like if you do hear me saying that, or if I, it slips up or if I say something like that again, then just know my intention is never to make you feel that way. And I'd appreciate it if rather than getting super upset if you could just remind me that that's something that I'm working on just just lovingly tell me that that's something that you know we're still we're still working through and so rather than have it be like a me versus you I always like to approach conflicts in those conversations of like okay this is a team effort so how are we together going to make this better moving forward wow <laughs> Now I understand why you do what you do. <laughs> oh, no. But uh, so that, that's typically, typically what I tell people when they ask about communication stuff. Has it been easy for you and your partner or that it hasn't been like, you know, bumpy rides along the way? Yeah. So there have definitely been periods where we struggled with this stuff, which is why I feel confident talking about it because with long distance, we were only seeing each other probably averaging once every six weeks. And so we, we had to get really good about communication and really good about in the time that we did get to spend together, how can we make sure that it's not spent arguing or not spent with hurt feelings and just knowing, I know that he loves me more <laughs> than anything. And I know that he knows I love him more than anything. And I know that for both of us, we are always doing our very best. And so because we know that we're able to work through things a little bit easier. And I think if anybody's in a relationship where they have that trust of each other, then it's going to be a lot easier. And I think also for us, we know when there's going to be bumps, like we can kind of, for example, when we were about to move in together, we knew that that period was going to be difficult because it's new. And when you're living with someone 24-7 after not seeing each other except like once every six weeks we knew that was going to be challenging for us and so we anticipated it and we planned for that and so I think for like for people being able to know when those challenging times might come up whether it's when you're traveling or when you're moving in together or when you're having a new baby like just being able to have grace and find humor in any situation is going to be so important okay my last question 
mm-hmm. what would be your advice for women who don't believe in men anymore? <laughs> <laughs> who don't believe in men anymore? Yeah, who just well, lost faith in dating and they're like, you know what? I have my best friends. I have ice cream. I have my toy. <laughs> right. It's fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, for me, if somebody is choosing that lifestyle, then I'm like, girl, do you like do whatever will work for you. And if you get to the point where, you know, you're starting to want something more, you're starting to want a relationship or you see your friends in relationships and you're like, Hey, I want that. Then the first thing I would say is start looking for really good examples of relationships. Start looking for your friends who have healthy relationships. Start looking for your friends who are with really nice and caring and genuine guys and start, you know, even when you're out and about, I have my clients do this challenge of like finding the good ones because sometimes I hear people say like, there's no good men where I am or like, there's no good people where I am. There's no one to date. And I'm like, that is just not true. You're just not looking. And so I, I know I've given this analogy before of, um, if you, like if you start to want a white Jeep, like if you're on the market for a white Jeep, you're going to start seeing them everywhere because your awareness is turned up to it. And so if you want a good guy, then start consciously looking for them. Like in the grocery store, the guy that gets the box from the top shelf for that older woman or the guy who helps them grill on the side of the road whose tire is flat, like find examples of good guys because you're going to find them more And if you choose to live the single life, then do that. But don't judge yourself if you start to want something else as well. Right. Wow. So much information. (laughs) Hopefully not too overwhelming. Hopefully hopefully it was all good. No, no, no. I think it was like, you know, the right amount of technicalities and the right amount of like the human touch that comes with being a coach. So, um... Wow, I cannot believe that it's been 45 minutes already. Time flies when you're having fun. Thank I, you so much. You were you had so many great questions and I'm sure your audience is just so grateful for you and all the you know, the great um prep work that you do that goes into this and the type of people that you're bringing on. I'm just I'm super grateful to have been chosen to be one of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was my pleasure. I never met a dating coach before and I think it's so important to, you know, raise awareness around like, you know, these jobs as well and this work and just get rid of the stigma around coaches because of of course there's coaches, there there are therapists and counselors and psychologists mm-hmm. and I don't want to, you know, coaches to get discredited by all the professionals or just to to be diminished or, you know, ignored because they are only coaches. So Um, I think in the end, if you're helping someone, it's the most important thing. We are all in this together and life can feel so hard and isolated sometimes, isolating. And uh, so it's been a pleasure for me to find like, to find like you and to, you know, for you to want to be part of this, um, to talk about your experience and just to, you know, help people find love really. Yeah, well, Carla, we couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for having me on and for sharing your content. And um, I'm always here if anybody that's listening needs anything or if you need anything. And I'm excited for you to start whatever next venture you're going to start. And, of course, I'm here for you if you uh, have any questions about that as well. 
Yes, absolutely. If you want to plug yourself in as well, like with and share your Instagram handle and your website, and if someone wants to yeah. to talk about like relationships or needs some advice from you. Yes, yes, yes. So if anybody wants to find me on Instagram, my username is just my name, Ellie Erickson, E-L-L-I-E-E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. That's my Instagram. And then if anybody wants to check on my website, it is ellieerickson.co. If anyone has any questions, just slide into my DMs. Super happy to help with anything that they need. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, I might just like reach you out for a, for a follow-up. thank you so much for being in my podcast and for sharing your time with me it was very lovely to catch up with you and to get to know someone that against all odds just took a chance on herself and pursued their dreams or in this case your dream job um so guys no more feeling guilty for being happy and no more pushing away people that are just right for you or justify why we deserve nurturing respectful loving relationships whether it's a friendship, whether it's a romantic relationship or a family dynamic. I don't care. You deserve the best. I hope you guys also fe felt at least just a tiny bit of the inspiration that I got from her. And this was only a taste. She knows a lot. You just make sure that you check her out on Instagram. She has a lot of IGTV videos, a YouTube channel, her own website with free resources as well. So make sure that you have a look at her work and get inspired by her um i by the way yeah just reach out i can't wait to hear from from you as well your experiences if you want to send some voice messages i would love to post it on my on my podcast and yeah that's that was it guys this was the last episode of the season i cannot believe it and i am recording this in a corner in front of a swimming pool surrounded by wind, palm trees and birds and random people are walking and looking at me like what the heck is she doing in there in the middle of the bush with a computer just talking to herself but that was it guys I uh, cannot believe I couldn't picture a better way to finish the first season so I'll see you soon so take care my pretties Guys, thanks for listening. Uh, this is the end of the podcast. This podcast has been produced by me, Perla, recorded by me, Perla, and my entire team of professionals behind the scenes, which are me, Perla. <laughs> so click like, like, subscribe, share, comment, uh, send me suggestions on, on Instagram, Perla Meets the World. Uh, let me know if you have any questions, if you have any su suggestions for future podcasts. And please do share your love. Um, it does help me to keep doing this, like, you know, in between my four jobs. And yeah, if, it, if it's helping you, if it's entertaining you, if you find it funny or, I don't know, insightful, helpful, please do let me know and I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.